Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. As a patient who's lived with kidney disease since 1968, I know that there are so many stressful times, and we have to figure out different coping mechanisms. And today I'm very excited to talk to Mary Robino. She's also a kidney survivor like me, and she's learned really learned about hypnosis and the benefits and has become a certified hypnotist. So I'm really excited to have you, Mary, on the phone. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Lori. It's really nice to be on today. Tell us a little bit about, you know, you learned you had kidney disease um, and, you know, what what it did to you emotionally. Because I know we all uh, stress out with an illness, but, you know, having to go to dialysis and it can be a little bit more stressful than any average illness. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I had just gone to my doctor because my only symptoms were being very tired and having headaches and I had no idea that he was going to tell me I was in, I was having kidney failure and that I'd be facing dialysis. So I think for me, the first part of it was really not believing what I was up against and, and not even understanding. I couldn't even spell nephrologist. I, I had no idea what they were. And so emotionally, I was um, pretty much in denial in the very beginning. And, and then I think after that, I, I became really angry that that such a thing could happen. So how long were you on dialysis and when did you get transplanted? Um, I was on dialysis about almost three years. I got transplanted 10 years ago. And and that was kind of a funny story too because I had been using vision work and, and seeing myself healed and whole before I ever went for transplant. And my brother was going to give me a kidney and I said no. And I went on the list and I got transplanted quicker than I would have even gotten transplanted with him. They called me within a month. And um, my donor was actually a better match than my brother. Wow. He was a deceased donor. Was your deceased donor a hypnotist by chance? <laughs> just curious. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was actually a musician. Oh, okay. It's interesting when you learn. Have you picked up any musical qualities? I mean, they, they always say that, you know. No, but I I swear to God, because he was a musician, when I woke up, all I wanted was coffee and a beer. Oh, oh, that's funny. Uh, Together, huh? Oh, yeah, it didn't matter, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So tell us how you got into um, hypnosis and how you learned about it and how you decided to become a hypnotist because of all the benefits. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Well, when I was going, before I started dialysis, I was doing... um, Peggy Huddleston, uh, she's a, a person that wrote a book called Prepare for Surgery and Heal Faster. And actually, she has a hypnosis background as well, but her um, book and her, her CD um, kind of helped you do some visualization, some healing, and some forgiveness work. And I never found anything that worked as well as that. So flash forward about five years into transplant, I started to look at the profession as, as a reality for me. And I spent about six months researching the profession and what schools I could go to, and I jumped in. And I've never really looked back. It's been, I've been in business now almost six years, and um, I just learned so much. What does hypnosis 
do? I mean, just explain the process. Oh, sure. Um, well, most people think of like stage shows when they think of hypnosis, but in reality, hypnosis is an altered state of consciousness where you're in an incredibly relaxed state. You may not be able to move your arms or your legs or even open your eyes, but you're in this incredibly relaxed state and your mind is very awake and, and, you know, fully, fully aware and you're able to start to direct it, direct your thinking, direct your thoughts towards how you want to feel and, and what you want to accomplish. So it's kind of almost like you're almost like dogged in that, in that direction. So things don't, because you're in that relaxed state, you're very open and receptive to taking in suggestions, always suggestions that people, uh, that you've agreed upon ahead of time. So it's not like I'm asking you to do anything you've never done. I mean, asking you to do something that you wouldn't do. So, um, so again, it's, it's, if you were to look it up, it would be like being in an incredibly relaxed state and married with the art of suggestion. So you have to give suggestions in a very specific way, uh, in a very present moment way. So it feels as though it, it's right now. Well, and I'm so familiar. If I were to say to you, you know, Lori, you you are um, healthy, slim, and full of energy, and imagine yourself feeling that way right now. That would help drive your thinking on a subconscious level towards accomplishing that goal. Now, I've seen hypnosis shows in Las Vegas, and they're very flashy, and people get up on stage. <laughs> and is that real? Like, they have them sing and dance, and, you know, what's your perspective on those shows? I mean, I'm, like, fascinating that they give them an idea, and then they go and do it, or is it more staging? Well, stage shows are very, very real on a on a different type of level, on an entertainment level. So if you notice, there may be, like, 100 or 200 people in the in the area, and they'll ask for volunteers. You might get a dozen. You might get as many as 20. And then they start doing these little tests to find out how open these people are, how suggestible they are, how willing they are to take in a suggestion and act upon it. And it seems like they're kind of weeding them out because they'll send some people back, and depending on what they're asking the person to do. So it is very real, but they do need a specific type of person, a person that has a willingness to be out, you know, put themselves out there and act on those suggestions. To give up control, probably, right? Because is there some people that can't be hypnotized? Well, no, you never give up control. I mean, if someone were to ask you to um, imagine yourself drinking a cup of coffee and um, and it's really water, your, your mind might take that in and you may be able to sense that being coffee. You could use your your powerful imagination, you can imagine that to be true. Um, but you will never do anything that you don't want to. Okay. So it's really the desire-based. And um, everyone can be, mostly everyone can be hypnotized unless you have um, like a below average um, intelligence level where you can't really take in a direction or you can't focus on anything. That would be, that would be more difficult to be able to accomplish that. But I mean, you got to figure, Lori, you're in and out of hypnosis each and every day, whether you know it or not. If you're driving your car and you get somewhere and you don't remember driving. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of people have that happen, right? Yeah, because we're just doing it unconsciously because we're so... Right, exactly. Yeah, we just go in and, and brush so our teeth. And... driving the car and, and in your thoughts, you're somewhere else. You're not there. I mean, if a car pulled out in front of you and you had to jack on the brake, you would come out of it. You're like, oh, where was I? Right? Right. And when people read books, the same thing happens. You're like in that book. 
you're kind of carried away by the story and, and it may, you may not be conscious of what's going on around you besides what you're reading. And hours could go by and it feels like minutes. Movies are another example where people are in and out of hypnosis. You're sitting in front, you're watching the screen. Again, hours go by. You may not even know what the person next to you looks like. You're just kind of in that movie. Well, and, you know, I think, you know, that just triggers something for me because I love to make jewelry and I love to do arts and crafts and Mm -hmm. it takes me to another place. So I'm basically just zoned in on that. And I guess that's a form of being hypnotized by my beads. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can tell because um, you have that time distortion where it doesn't feel like you've been doing it very long, but you have. Mm -hmm. And you also have... um, a very a feeling you may not even be really aware of your body, but as you're moving through it and you're focused on it, everything else around you kind of falls away. It's like you're you kind of um, athletes call it being in the zone where they can run a race and they're really not aware of so much of the people around them. They're just looking at their desired outcome, getting you know getting where they got to go, so to speak. Well, and the thing that I read this book um, by Dan Harris, and it was a little about happiness. And, you know, when people are right in the moment, that's when they're happy. I mean, if you're thinking about Mm -hmm. the future or you're thinking about yesterday, you're not happy. And it, um, it also made a point that, like, let's say there's a catastrophe. It's always awful. But people are Mm -hmm. so honed into the moment, they actually feel better in some ways because they're hyper acute of what's going on in the moment as opposed to thinking what do I have to make for dinner what Mm -hmm. do I have to you know all the different things that our mind gets cluttered with we just can't seem to unclutter our mind and it's interesting but I I remember um, uh, people say oh I feel more alive after I've had an accident or I feel more alive after I've got diagnosed with an illness because you become really centered in the moment like wait a second I may not have all this time left that I think I do so the silver lining I guess of having something tragic uh, I'm curious so if I want to learn more about hypno- hypnosis um, can you give us an example of what uh, you know your different clients may come for you to see and what a, a typical treatment may look like and how long does it last usually people that have anxiety or stress or or maybe some behaviors that are related to that like emotional eating uh, I see a fair amount of smokers in my in my practice I've had some people for claustrophobia and fear of flying so it really depends upon what they're coming for and how long they'd actually be with me as I also teach self-hypnosis along with my sessions. Well, actually, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis because you're helping someone direct their thoughts, but you're not in their head. Mm-hmm. So they're actually doing it on their own mm-hmm. with my my help or with me facilitating it. So um, it depends. I mean, if it's something that is really long-term that they've had a problem with for a very long time, Sometimes they have to come, you know, three or four times. Sometimes it's just a couple. For Mm -hmm. smokers, I only see people two sessions for Mm -hmm. smoking. They quit the first session. They come back the second session for reinforcement. People with anxiety, on the other hand, um, they need to be, you know, they need a little bit more time to kind of understand how powerful they really are as far as controlling or directing their thoughts because they may have been in, they may have had a lot of, patterns that have created a lot of negativity for them and they need to be able to break that, be able to break that spell, so to speak. Because, you know, when you're feeling negative, you'll find other things that are negative to kind of reinforce the fact that your whole life doesn't work 
because that's where your mind is. So for you to be able to start to take in good thoughts, you have to be able to redirect it, right, to things that make you feel good, which feels pretty foreign for people in the very beginning. I know. I'm thinking of, you know, some people that I've known that they just like to stay uh, around negative people. They like to, you know, they love that environment. And um, you want to bring them out and you're like, oh, they, they just can't seem to be happy. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you even when you try to make them happy, they don't want to be happy. Um, yeah. And because I guess they're so comfortable with that negativity. Yeah, it's what they're used to. Exactly. And usually when that, the only thing that will break that normally is when they hit a wall. In other words, whatever they're doing is no longer working for them at all. And they have to make that change. Right. And sometimes for people, um, it's a health thing. Like like you and I had, you know, going through these health things, you, you kind of go, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, the weather doesn't feel that important anymore. You know, I was the kind of person that would complain about everything. And then this happened, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I'm, I'm alive. Right. <laughs> and, and it just shifts your whole perception. I know. I mean, you're glad you wake up in the morning. Um, and, and it's interesting that you talk about anxiety because we often hear in the community, oh, take Xanax, take uh. a medication for anxiety. And, you know, nobody really talks about, you know, things that don't require medication. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And Xanax is just a not, I mean, it's going to cover up a symptom of a core issue, which is that you're afraid and that you know, why are we afraid? Well, usually we're afraid of things that because of something that's happened in the past or something we're afraid that's going to happen in the future, it's very rarely something that's going on right that moment. Right. So as you bring reel yourself back in and come back to the present and start to look at the realities around you, you know, is it really true or am I just, you know, watching my thoughts run about muck here and how can I move them in a different direction. Right, because we all have this, like, committee in our head. I mean, I know you have a committee. <laughs> we all have these committees, and sometimes they just gang up on us, and we just need to yeah. fire some of them and get some new <laughs> committee members, really, right? That's really yeah, what well, hypnosis is. It definitely is. feels that way, yeah, <laughs> and, know. you know, at first. But then as you start directing it, it's almost like when you, like when you first start exercising. You know, when you first start going to the gym, you're like, your body's screaming. It just doesn't like this. It, it's, it's painful, and then all of a sudden it starts to respond and your muscles start to tone and you're like, then you see the point. Your body almost craves that. The same thing when you start to direct your thoughts and you feel better. It's like, wait a minute, I want to feel better. I know. I'm going to start moving in the direction that helps me feel good and let go of all this crap. It really is about letting go. So can you share some of your success stories? I mean, I know you can't give out names because of the no, fact that it's patient confidentiality, mm-hmm. but just share some um, stories of success. Well, very recently, I had a man come to me who had claustrophobia, and come to find out about five or six years ago, he was jet skiing um, out to um, Montez, uh, out to Block Island in Rhode Island, and when he got there, he was with a bunch of his friends, and it got too late, so they had to stay overnight. So they stayed in a hotel, and it was very crowded in the room, and he woke up with his face to the wall, and he started to feel really closed in. But when he tried to leave the room and go down to the lobby, they told him he had to stay in his room. So he felt really trapped. And so this had created problems with sleeping. It had been caused problems with being in an elevator, any kind of closed spaces. So uh, he worked with me, and we started to, he started to take back that control. He started to realize 
that he could, you know, feel that freedom in his, in his thoughts more than ever before. And, and he actually did break that, that habit and he, he felt much better. He was able to sleep at night and feel more in control. But it was something that had happened and it could just be like something easy that happened, you know, like something, like you do something all over and over all the time and it's fine and then all of a sudden it's not. And that thing that's not sticks in your mind, and that's what had happened to him. So he felt out of control, but then he was in control. But one of my favorite stories is uh, a woman that came to see me, and uh, she came in the office and she said, "I don't want. I don't think I want to quit smoking." And so I said, "Oh, all right." She goes, "But I have to." And I said, "Well, why?" And she tried to tell me all these reasons, and I said, "Well, that kind of convinced me. Sounds like a good idea." And so she moved forward, and later she let me know. She quit, and later on she let me know um, that every time she'd quit, she'd cry. <laughs> it was like she was missing her best friend. And she said, I knew I'd be fine because I didn't cry after that session. I, 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 I felt fine, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew I'd be okay, so um, things like that. I do see, now I'm starting to see a lot of children, oh, and wow. children um, really definitely need that positive positive reinforcement that they're okay because they're seeing more and more that don't feel that way. I mean, especially with the internet and social media, you you know, you're exposed to things you don't always want to see and it triggers, Mm. like, I mean, anything that has to do with, like, animal abuse or cruelty, I just go ballistic. I mean, I literally get nauseous. I the TV, anything or animal being in a shelter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll be scrolling on Facebook and I'll tr- I'll see something like that. And it just, I mean, I, I get like, I'm trying to go la, 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 like I didn't see it, you know. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's we're exposed to a lot of things that we don't necessarily know we'll see and we can't control how we'll feel. And right. I was learning, I was reading this short little article on the Internet is that, you know, Facebook, different social media outlooks are very great to share pictures and share information, but they also cause a lot of anxiety. And, Mm. you know, you're scrolling through it. You might see a friend who has a different opinion than you do or, you know, you just like are there, you know, people share their religious or their different ideas or, you know, they show a picture of a party and you weren't invited to it or, you know, I mean, it just brings up all of these different things we didn't have to deal with before. And, um, you know, it it is interesting um, how Facebook can or any social media aspect, I think, in the future is going to cause a lot of anxiety for people because of the fact that, um, you know, it's more information our brain needs to process. And we're processing so much. And if, as that you mentioned, if we're not processing the right stuff, if we're going to the negative things or the different aspects, then in turn, it's going to lead to more anxiety and depression because of the fact that, you know, we can't sort our thoughts out correctly. And I'm, uh, I think I'm going to be a fan of, um, I never even thought of hypnosis. And I think, you know, maybe that's something I need to do and need to remember that when I'm doing arts and crafts or something I love, I'm being hypnotized. And I know that's how I've survived an illness so long is having some place I can go where mm-hmm. I can just forget everything oh, and, yeah, and tune definitely. out. Or or just be focused on things that make you feel good. Right. You know, it really is a lot. It has everything to do with what you're focusing on, what you're giving your energy and attention to. You know, and if you when you start to have that control, you feel better. People exactly. on social media, same thing, you know. 
there's fights that make you, you already know, make you feel good the moment you go on them. And then there's other things that, uh, I don't think so. Right, you know, exactly. It's like a lot of weed in the garden as far as, you, you know, you, you have know, to put, it's good or not. You have to put your blinders on. <laughs> well, this has really um, been a very informative interview. Can you um, tell everybody your uh, website? Is there information they can find? And, and, and what um, where do you live? So people in the area, I mean, this is, goes across the country, obviously, uh-huh. um, but do you do phone sessions? Yeah, I actually do do hypnosis over the phone. I've done it plenty of times, and it's very helpful for people. They just need to use a head. They have to use their headset, and um, and it's very affordable as well. But my my website is Rubino R U B I N O Hypnosis dot com is my website, and um, you can reach me. You know, you can reach me through uh, Rubino Hypnosis on Facebook or Mary Rubino on Facebook, and. Um, there's a lot of great information out there about hypnosis, and and I really think that that is the wave of the future. People start to use their mind as a tool to help them feel better. I can't think of anything better you could do for yourself than learn how to help how to help control your thoughts. I know it is. It's um I think of so many aspects, and you know one that comes to mind is just um when you're on dialysis. I don't know if you've ever dealt with it, but like the fear of needles. I mean, mm. you know, that, that's got to be just, I mean, I'm not a fan of needles. I'm not deathly mm-hmm. afraid of them. But when they come at you with a 15-gauge needle, I mean, you are yeah, fearful. I, like, I mean, like the straws for stirring your coffee. <laughs> right. If you're, if you're not fearful, there's something wrong with you. I mean, you know, that's what I tell some of the healthcare professionals. Wait a second. You're coming at me with these big needles. Mm-hmm. If I'm not fearful, there's probably a diagnosis for that, too. So, um <laughs> Um, but thank you, Mary. It's been wonderful. And uh, what's your? How long have you been transplanted now? To wrap up, it was ten years in October. Oh, and what's your creatinine? I always like to talk about creatinine because um, right now it's um one point two. Oh, that's wonderful. I like to just mention mine's point eight because I am so grateful for a fourth kidney to have a point eight transplant. I know people listening oh, are excellent. Are you know probably tired of hearing that, but I can't believe it myself. And again, with hypnosis, I got to remember that this kidney is going to work forever and my creatinine should always be that normal and Mm -hmm. um, get reprogrammed to having, you know, expecting good labs, expecting different things, Mm -hmm. expecting bad news. Yeah, that has a lot to do with your outcomes as well, what you're you're putting in your, as far as an expectation. If you're thinking things will be bad, everything will show up to make you, to make that right for you. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, wonderful, Mary. Thank you so much for the the great work that you do and giving um, people real solid solutions that, that they can go find and, and not have to have a prescription for it because we need to find solutions that don't require medication for our first option. So thank you oh, for that. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.